0: Welcome, welcome back to Boss cage Podcast. So CJ and I, we have similar backgrounds, similar history, right? But he's kind of taking it to, to another level as far as when you get into the advertisement side of things. So for this episode, I'm going to give him the nickname of the Digi Ad Boss. It's kind of a hip cool way of saying the digital ad. So we want to talk something more, so more detail about what that really means, because some people are like, well, what's, what's, what's digi? What's, what's digital ads really mean? So CJ, the floor is yours. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about you and what we're going to be talking about?
1: Great. Yeah, so I have a background in, in creative and design and found my way into digital um, you know, our company uh, you know, was doing, you know, general things like websites, things like that before. But obviously when uh all the browsers stopped supporting Flash, there was a big change in the market. And uh we started a company called Bannerwave to, you know, specifically support people who are trying to transfer their flash ads into HTML five. Yeah. Um, kind of was like a little, you know, side, like, oh, we'll corner the market, do a little, you know, cash grab, you know, provide a valuable service at a time in need, but it ended up outdoing our Current company by three times the revenue in its first year, and you know ended up launching a whole um you know path to where we are today, which is taking um essentially what we call dumb advertising or you know more static type of advertising where you're just seeing text images um videos, and when the user looks at them it's a very passive experience it's not providing them anything unique, and so what we do is we make those experiences intelligent and we allow them to personalize the experience right within the ad for their own needs.
0: So we're talking about personalizing, and obviously, you know, I'm a brand guy as well, too. So I've done this presentation before where I've brought up Coca-Cola, which who happens to be one of the people that, that you've worked with, and you're talking about personalizing, which is one of the examples that I use. So if anyone could remember like the the ad campaign about selecting your own name to be put on a can and giving that can away as a gift, you had an opportunity to kind of create more of an online presence ad platform for that. So I want you to kind of talk about that that ad campaign
1: a little bit. Yeah, so that was a little bit earlier on and, uh, you know, it it was somewhat of a simple approach. It was, you know, we were looking at bringing, you know, basically a form field into an ad and allowing them to customize a Coca-Cola product right within the ad in real time. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, at that time for Coca-Cola, they didn't really have the ads that they were running were, you know, static ads, you know, animated storytelling ads, but nothing that engaged the user to make them want to really click through that ad to their website. Mm -hmm. So... Uh taking that experience that is allowing someone to create the can or create the, you know, the product right within the ad is giving them that visual payoff, that exploration, innate desire to explore that, you know, all of us as humans have. And so something like that, when you allow that, you know, control, allow that personalization, it really, you know, brings users into wanting to trust and engage and, you know, be a, a loyal supporter of your brand.
0: Nice, nice. So let's just continue down. Sorry, what I want to do, I want to like compact early on kind of like what you guys do and, and how you do it. So I mean, that that was some of your earlier stuff. And as we progress, uh, you guys were kind of like one of the, the first companies to start doing like the carousel the dynamic carousel ads. And people are probably very familiar to them now, seeing them on on Facebook. But you did an ad for um, I think it was um, GameStop. So let's just talk about like, you know, how did you even get that contract? And what was more so the concept behind those ads?
1: So, normally, just get, getting contracts in general, what we do is, you know, we're kind of providing more of a unique service. So, today in the industry, a lot of people are still running passive ad experiences. So, just educating the market and letting them know, like, you know, hey, it doesn't take a rich media buy to actually create an interactive experience with an ad. Believe it or not, we could do it with a standard buy, 200K, you know, even 150, 150K sometimes. Um, but What we're able to do is we're able to take what's currently out there and push it and help people maximize their media buy that they already have. So it's not like, hey, you need to add all this more money to your media to actually make your campaign do better. You just have to work on on really investing in the creative itself. So for GameStop... Oh, go ahead.
0: No, I'm listening. I'm
1: listening. Uh, for GameStop, uh, you know what what we wanted to do is we wanted to provide them one ad experience that they could use across their, I think, 3,700 locations, um, you know, across the U.S. And so, essentially, what this ad would do would allow you know look at someone where they are, find the closest GameStop or the GameStops around that area, and serve them up the specific products, sales, things like that that are relative to them. So it's something that, you know, from an investment, from an ad creative, you don't have to create different ads with specifically different products for every single GameStop. You could create one that's dynamic and also personalized to the user based on their interests, things like that. Mm -hmm.
0: So I mean, obviously, I think you and I, we we could probably geek out on this topic all day, every day, because I mean, you're talking about like data resourcing and digital insertions and all this stuff that if we say it like that, the average user is probably going to be like, what the hell are they talking about? So like, let's step out of that for a minute. Obviously, like coming into this environment, like how did you get and become more of a designer that turned into more of a developer that's, you know, essentially became an entrepreneur? Like, how did that story unfold itself?
1: So it's funny back in uh you know when I was young in in high school and and in college, I actually played a lot of music and so I was in you know rock bands things like that, and really got my uh passion for you know marketing you know we working with you know horror managers uh event managers uh things like that you know obviously creating all of our marketing material you know album art things like that so I went to college actually being like, hey, I wanted to create album art and and band posters and things like that. And, you know, obviously, when you go to college and things like that, it opens up your eyes to what's in the industry. And um, I fell in love with digital so uh with that i i focused more on web coming out of college and uh i did never i wasn't actually ever a developer i do understand it my business partner is kind of like the yin and yang of our company i'm creative in strategy he's technology in, in development and so you know we work together to be able to kind of create these so um when we uh got together initially what happened was um we saw the opportunity based on you know my desire for personalization you know his understanding of the technology and we're able to kind of build something that you know we are today wow
0: wow i think it's definitely interesting i mean hearing you speak and and you brought up like the concerts so that kind of leads me to like like riot fest it's like one of those things that you know you were a big component big fan of so do you think that you're utilizing those environments for like energy or are you kind of looking at them from a design standpoint because i mean obviously like that's a completely different style format than what corporate america is probably used to seeing so like where are you blurring the lines between the two
1: now are you talking for like Rife, just going to rife as you're talking about like the because we don't do any we haven't done any work yeah. for rife fest yeah. Yeah, I'm talking about just being in an environment. I mean,
0: like you love music and obviously an album cover is a completely different monster than doing an ad, right? Because I mean, obviously corporate America has like their brand standards versus if you look at album covers, they're like, okay, what's the most psycho crazy thing that we can do to get someone's attention? Two different beasts, right? So how are you leveraging that environment being that that's your kind of core passion and how are you converting it into more of a corporate setting?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting. Obviously with B2C, companies, there's a little bit more that you can do in terms of, you know, when you're selling a product or something like that, you can actually, you know, have a little bit more artistic uh, value to it. But, you know, when you're going to something more B2B, you do have to keep a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say completely corporate, but, you know, not go too far outside the lines. So, uh, you know, when it comes to the music and all that, the industry definitely in terms of creative styles and the way you implement these to, you know, get people's attention and engage with them. That's something that definitely brings is comes across in our advertising um so looking at you know the industry, who the target market is, just like you would in the band, you know who are your fans, who are you trying to get out, you know get your music and and your name out to, and understanding the styles and things that they like, and how you can connect with them in you know a way that's relevant
0: wow, so I mean, I would say part of your other background too, and kind of just doing my due diligence it's, it's you're you may not stated and, I, and i'm saying this because in in your actual profiles it's not categorized as anything but just by looking at the overall content that, that you've projected out to the world by default, you're kind of a foodie i would say <laughs>
1: yeah i do okay. love i do love my food so um yeah that's it's something I I just love you know exploring culture and 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 food you know in different areas obviously Chicago is so so rich in in our culture here just in terms of cuisine so um that's something that you know along with my travels obviously eating those are things that uh definitely inspire me looking at creative outputs of others such as you know chefs um and and just appreciating the art of of what each of us are doing and so a lot of that inspires me when it comes back to you know the work that I do and even how can I apply that to you know maybe the the food and, the food and restaurant industry?
0: So let's, let's, let's stack these up. Right, so we to look at these like Lego pieces. Obviously, you're really big into music. You have a design background. You're you're a big foodie. You're into festivals, and then I would think you're also big into like fine art as well too. You're kind of like a gallery hopper. I would
1: think right. To a degree. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely do hit when I'm, I'm traveling to a different city, we always check out, you know, when, some of the museums that are in the area. So um, definitely appreciate, again, back to the history and culture. Cool.
0: So let's take all these different pieces and components, right? So how have you been leveraging these? Because again, you're, you're working with pretty high profile corporations. You're talking about Coca-Cola as an example, right? Like, They pretty much have their brand standards and they have all these different things that, you know, they already have the design team. So when you come in there and you're saying, okay, I'm going to take your your artwork, how are you then delivering a concept to them to say you're going to be doing this and it's going to be interactive this way? You'll click this and this will do that. How are you projecting that on
1: them? Well, I mean, I guess, you know, initially, we're really focused on, you know, what is their goal of the campaign? What actions do you want the users to take? And, you know, based on that, we basically create a mechanic or some type of tactic that allows them to, you know, achieve that. And so, and there may be things too that we actually add, like, an, almost like another layer of somewhat custom tracking on top of what, okay. you know, what traffickers already provide. So, um, you know, for a, a company that would come to us, they would say, you know, if you're looking to train, say, train your team, they would say, you know, are you looking to expand your network, uh, learn more industry knowledge, or you know, whatever the you know another option would be, and by clicking each one of those and then converting, they're able to understand, you know, which type of learning that their market is most interested in. Or even, you know, what type of style of learning, if it's, you know, self, you know, on demand, if it's something that's in person, in class, or just, you know, digital live over a video like this.
0: Hmm, really cool. Really cool. So now that we've kind of like defined a little, little elements of you, if you could then redefine yourself and just using three to five words, what three to five words would you choose?
1: Redefining myself as who I am today? Yeah. Um. <laughs> I guess a you know a creative that wants to bring humanity back into advertising huh. um that was a little bit longer, but you know I, that's that's really my my main goal here you know I think that um you know advertising and industry as a whole is kind of you know failed in in some ways um I think that you know today. And still, you know, historically, everyone's just pushing products, pushing services. It's all focused around the product, service, or brand, and not much around the users. So, you know, you look at a, a campaign that say it's a tourism campaign, say so you want to go, you know, tour Illinois, and um, they're saying, you know, hey, tour, visit Illinois, you know, tour these different areas. It's not, they're just providing random suggestions that are not personalized to the user. What we're... Able to do is we're able to create an ad that asks them, "Hey, do you would you rather go, you know, golfing or fishing? Would you rather go to the casino or go hiking? Would you rather eat pub fare or fine dining?" And so, by selecting those answers within the ad, we could actually dynamically build a landing page that is almost their own tour guide. And so, you're basically taking something that is completely unpersonalized in what we call dumb advertising and you're bringing intelligence to it mm-hmm. and building that experience and the end product around the user to enhance their life.
0: So I think it's definitely interesting. Cause I mean, obviously in, in advertising today, it's a hundred percent based upon the, the the user data that's be, that's able to be collected because of the technology. So like, let's take it back to like the forties and fifties, like the madman era, right? Like how would you approach that considering that they didn't have, like the technology that we have today if you were let's say if you could time travel back and they threw you back in the 50s what what would you do a little bit differently not being able to have access to the software that we have right now i
1: feel like you'd have to canvas people that are you know actually in the industry or or, you know big fans of the brand Uh, maybe people who are brand advocates and people who you know are are advocates of a competitor and, and kind of going through a process of tests and questions of why you know, they make certain decisions, um, how they engage with the brand, what they want or desire from the brand. Because I think having that type of research and information, you know, from the end user is critical to be a, being able to you know, create an experience that is relevant and valuable.
0: Which is crazy that you said it, because, I mean, in today's world, I mean, literally the systems do that for us, right? right. I mean, every single day someone's on a social media platform, they're just pumping that with data, like millions of data points all day, every day. And that's how it's easy for us to target them based upon what their behaviors are or what keywords they're looking for versus like you're saying, having to canvas and do surveys every five minutes to figure out the variables of what people are actually looking for. So it's right. definitely crazy. So, I mean, you're saying you're more of a creative mind, but your business partner is is more analytical. He's more of like, like, like a tech guy. But I mean, yeah, he is, you have some he's the genius, right?
1: you know, I'm just, yeah. I just... You know, I'm able to kind of create the ideas and figure out how we can get it into market. But I mean, the things that he creates, the intelligence uh, that he puts behind it, is you know, is really what makes these things come to life.
0: And I think it's funny that that you say that as well, because you know, I've done hundreds of these interviews and nine out of ten times if there's a partnership, they're usually a bipolar. It's kind of like, like a magnetic negative positive. One person is A-type, one person may be B type, or one person may be analytical, the other person may be creative. So do you think that's why you guys are as successful as you are because you have that push and pull in that actual partnership?
1: I do. I think there's there's a good, like I was talking about before the kind of the yin and yang of, of the creative and strategy versus the technology and development, but I think there's also a lot of crossover and appreciation for both sides. And one of the reasons uh, you know, that I, I you know wanted to be become business partners uh with Brad is because, you know, he understands and truly appreciates, you know, creative and and you know, the attention to detail and all those things that I had struggled with in the past to find a developer that was, you know, that passionate about the things that I was. So um, it really allows us to be able to, you know, share that passion, but execute in our own uh, expertise.
0: So let's just talk about like, like hurdles, right? So, I mean, obviously you guys have a left brain, right brain, and, and you come together both hemispheres and, and that's where the synergy comes in. Right. Let's say you, one of your clients um, again, we talked about Coke earlier. Let's talk about, I think PetSmart is one of your clients as well. So let's say PetSmart has a A type personality, executive or in the ad branch and one of you agrees with with that person, but the other one doesn't, how do you guys systematically overcome like that barrier of that hurdle and figure out the best solution for the client?
1: Usually we take first take those those conversations internally. We, you know, we let the client just kind of talk about what they what how they feel, what they want and collect that information. We try not to react right in the moment, and say, hey, you know, this is something we're gonna take with our team and get back to you. Because I do think it takes time for an internal conversation. You don't want to like you know, just say a thing right out, something right out the gate that, you know, your team or, you know, your business partner doesn't agree. And um, when we bring it back, it actually allows you time to kind of think about it, you know, write out your reasons why, and then intelligently talk about it to the group. So, you know, we can as a team decide truly what is the best way. And, you know, may everyone may not agree, but, you know, it's got to go one way or the other. And normally do that by kind of you know, uh, odds and numbers, and and you know who is is outweighing uh, based on the decision.
0: Hmm. Very cool. So let's, let's 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 put this on a barometer of like like time travel being the premise, right? And if you have an opportunity to go back in time, right, and you can change one thing to to make your business either greater or bigger or make where you are happen a lot faster, where would you go back to, and what would you change if you had an opportunity to do that?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. That's a tough question. Um, hmm. I think that you know, if I could go back in time and, and just kind of you know change the course of, and I know when when you know advertising, especially you know banner ads and things like that came into market. Um, you know, I, I one thing that I struggle with today that I wish I could change is the fact that you know there's just this level of untrust between, you know, consumers, brands, things like that. Obviously, today, privacy is such a big thing. And I do think that over time, you know, based on the tactics and strategies for advertising that, you know, that's been something that has grown. And so obviously, we've introduced ad blockers, you know, people are, are, you know, trying to, you know, stay away or not let their, you know, their information be leaked to brands. And so, Um, it's kind of come to this, you know, more of a tension, you know, type of experience rather than brands actually helping you and enhancing your life. So, you know, if we could go back and find a different way to kind of keep users at the center of the experience, and keeping the experience around them and personalized to them, that's something that I think would change the course of where we are today in terms of, you know, the consumer and advertiser.
0: So let's this we're we're still we're in the multiverse and we're ty- you know going back in time. Let's go back a little bit further, right? Now, obviously, everyone is, is born in a particular time frame. So I want to kind of depict the illustration of what kind of kid you were, because again, the listener may be listening and they may have you in their house right now. So kind of define what kind of kid were you? Were you kind of like like a Nintendo kind of kid, always oh, gaming? Were you a kid that was riding a skateboard, or were you the kid that was just deep into books all the time?
1: So uh I was definitely I was a nineties kid, you know, born in the late 80s and um I, I had a, a pretty eclectic, you know, my dad tried to to put me in every sport possible and I, you know, I I wasn't a huge sports guy. I did play uh, you know, I did swim and play waterfall uh professionally, um, or I'm sorry, not professionally, competitively for a number of years. Um but, you know, my my passion definitely was more into, you know, video games, art, music, things like that. And that's where I, I, I definitely um, lean more towards as I got into um, middle school and high school. So do you think
0: that like being that's who you were as a kid, was that kind of like the breadcrumbs that you followed to become who you are right now?
1: I would say so. I would say, you know, the exploration, I mean, obviously, you know, when you're a kid, you and your friends taking your bikes around in the, the neighborhood, you always knew where people were hanging out because, you know, whose, whose yard had the most, you know, bikes in it. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, it, it definitely a different time. But I think the fun, you know, it's almost the, you know, today it's just you don't have as much. I feel like camaraderie as much as you did back in the day when you were out with your friends after school, things like that. You know, you come home, you have all these digital distractions. So um, that type of uh, uh, time together, that, that unique quality time, I think, um, you know, may not may not be as as prevalent today.
0: So like, let's just let's fast forward again now. So obviously now we're in present day like you have a a successful ad agency you're doing the things that that you wanted to do you grew up and and now you're 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 at the point to where you are but how long in total did it take you to get to where you are
1: i mean um i started i so i graduated college in 2009 i uh worked for an agency for a year out of college and then went off on my own um, consulted for a couple of years and ended up meeting my business partner, I think 2012, 2013. Um, you know, did work worked on that for a couple of years and banner wave actually started in 2015. And I think that is really when it started to take off, where we actually had a full team that we brought on and things like that. You know, before we were working with each other, it was just myself and my business partner. Um, and we bring on contractors and, and and freelancers as needed for projects. But uh, in 2015, when we launched BannerWave, that's when things really started to, to come together, you know, had full employees and, you know, and actually felt like, uh, you know, a legit company. So nice. um, I would say, you know, from when I graduated, uh, you know, 2009 to 2015, and, yeah. you know, six years six years that's pretty cool
0: and i think you guys have like a, another strategy that i think most most corporations uh, at least they, they missed in the early days and then they'll figure that out as they move forward you guys kind of i would look at this as like a brand baby you have like a co-branded partnership with another company uh, called greenstock so like let's talk about like 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 who like made that proposition and how do you work with that company and, and, and what's the synergy that you two have
1: yeah, so Greensock is uh actually the animation platform and library that we use to do a lot of the animations and interactions within uh the ad experiences that we use and so um I know my business partner Brad uh goes way back with Jack Doyle who's the you know creator of Greensock um I know that he have even helped test and, and and use some of the greens early Greensock um platform uh code and so just over the years and things like that we've always been big and just into supporting the green sock animation library you know wherever we're using it with brands uh and then also on top of that we know whenever something comes out we're always excited to be able to test it so Jack's been great to us, you know, sometimes he gives us a sneak peek at things uh, to be able to try out and and test, but um, it's just an an incredible platform for animation and, you know, something that, uh, you know, our team just loves and and relies on for the experiences that we create. So uh, we're just a preferred partner of of Green Sock. So...
0: Nice, nice. So I mean, obviously, with that, you guys are more on the higher level of advertising. I mean, obviously, there's this static art that can be considered to be ad, there's just copy as well, too. So my next question is like, how do you guys do deal with onboarding and, and vetting a particular client? I mean, obviously, you have high profile clients, but what's your range? And who's your ideal avatar?
1: So believe it or not, you know, while we do have, you know, high profile clients too, we work with clients across the board, you know, from, from startups to, you know, fortune 500 companies. You know, we, 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 we love doing the work and obviously, you know, the companies that have, you know, the investments to kind of innovate and, you know, and be those, those trailblazers are, you know, some of those more fortune 500 companies. And so we've got to do work that's, you know, well-funded and, and, you know, just exciting to do with that type of, you you know investment but when you look at you know smaller startups and you know some of these other companies that are coming to the space that are really focused on doing good for the world for the community things like that you know we want to make sure that we can bring you know our skills our experience from working with fortune 500 to these guys because you know these are the companies that are going to start changing you know the course of the world and the way that we do things and so um finding ways to support them and make sure that you know they get into market and they're providing something that's You know, truly valuable. Very cool. Very
0: cool. So, I mean, like, like, let's talk about like your upbringing for a second. And this is like literally a question that that is kind of crazy because part of doing my due diligence, I found that that your mom is pretty much an influencer, right? And and again, (laughs) when you look at it from a standpoint of like roughly our age group, like it's hard enough to get my mom to even turn on her camera on her phone. She just really signed up for Facebook this year. But your mom is not only an influence, she's getting paid, she's doing all those things, she has a huge following. Like, obviously your mom had to be an entrepreneur and, and kind of had an influence on you growing up. Is that correct or wrong?
1: Actually, it's 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 uh wrong. She was a stay-at-home mom when I was growing up, believe it or not. So she was not an entrepreneur, she uh you know, when, uh, you know, my parents uh, ended up splitting up when I was in uh, high school, and then my mom, you know, ended up get, going out and, and, and getting a job. And, um, you know, I was obviously driving at that point, so it didn't really matter anymore. But, you um, you know with that she you know worked at a you know law firm as a manager of a law firm office and uh, kind of grew from there into you know she's now running the you know management properties that uh, her and my my stepdad own and then on top of that you know she's just passionate about cooking and wanted to get fit and ended up becoming a weight watchers ambassador and grew her account to you know over 20,000 followers so way more popular than me obviously my mom's you know cooler so i got uh <laughs> i got a ways to go but um no i'm i'm you know i gave her some tips and suggestions along the way but i mean she did it all on her own and she's just um a very relatable person good at creating content and just you know heart of gold so um you know people are drawn to her like that
0: I think that that's, that's, that's like absolutely crazy. Like I, I'm trying to imagine if my mom could have been my counterpart as far as like being on a social media presence, it's just like, it's like world dominating stats. Right. So it's, it, it's, it's crazy. And the fact that you said, so who's entrepreneur first, was it you or your mom?
1: It was me. So my mom, and I think she started, uh, about four years ago, um, with, with the Weight Watchers ambassador. I can't, like, I I'm not entirely sure, but, um, you know, she was excited about that, and just you know asked me about some of the things that we do in social, and um, you know, I, I talked to her kind of about the industry and the market and things like that. And she just created, you know, wonderful content and like went and sourced things from different grocery stores to get like the perfect type of you know to fit your you know Weight Watchers points and things like that. So great education, you know, great energy and 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 vibes, you know, things like that. So um, yeah, you know, she was able to make a, a pretty great community on there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be hella proud because I mean, at the end of the day, like if my mom had a larger audience than I have, I'd have been like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> like, especially being like right. who she is right now. So for, for your mom to pick up that that skill set is, is an awesome thing. And to your point, she's very relatable. So I definitely appreciate that. So like, let's just flip this on the other side, right? Do you have any kids that that are pretty much seeing both their grandmom and their dad as entrepreneurs?
1: I don't have any kids, so um you know, but I definitely see you know in our family obviously um my my grandfather was was very creative and artistic, and it's funny my myself uh and my two cousins you know me and my one cousin, we both graduated with a graphic design degree, my other cousin well he graduated with a political science degree, he's an incredible uh illustrator and does you know storyboards for commercials and movies and all that stuff um so you know it it really does you know when when you have that you know creativity line in your family and and, you know you kind of grow up with that i definitely believe that um inspires you and can you know trigger you to going into that direction
0: very cool very cool so let's talk about like like your your, your daily routines i mean obviously you're you're a co-founder of a company you have clients but I mean, what, what do your morning habits look like? I mean, on a day-to-day basis, what time do you get up, and what do you usually do?
1: Depends on what time I go to sleep. I my sleep the sleep schedule recently has been pretty bad because you know I'll you know I'll be working hard and I'll end up falling asleep at nine o'clock and then I'm up at you know three in the morning. So uh, normally I try to get to bed by you know eleven o'clock or so. Um, you know, don't want to get up any any later than six and usually start my morning with just kind of writing, you know, what my intentions are for the day, what things I want to accomplish, uh, try to get a little workout or something in the morning, just to get the blood flowing, energy feeling good, um, grabbing a coffee and, you know, starting with my team that we do a nine o'clock, 9 a.m. Uh, meeting, team meeting every day, um, set our team up for what our priorities are for the day and and get going on things and then, you know, just crank and do good work. And wrap up around, you know, we always try to wrap around, you know, five or six o'clock. Um, we're very focused on that work-life balance, creating a company that, you know, keeps the employees, you know, happy um, and, and supportive. So Very cool.
0: Very cool. So let's just dive into a little bit about more so like the education side of it. I mean, you talked about being a graphic designer and obviously we share that similarities in in my early days as well. And one of my drawbacks to being a graphic designer is like they teach you how to design. They teach you the principles of art. They teach you how to create things, but they don't teach you anything about monetization, sales or marketing whatsoever. Was that the same thing that you got when you went to school? And, and if it is, then then how did you kind of get to where you are, where you learned those items afterwards?
1: Yeah, no, that's a great point. And it absolutely is true. You know, it's uh, it's interesting that they keep, you know, the marketing separate from visual communications because they are so entwined with each other. Um you know, just I, I think for me, I've always had, uh, you know, like I said, back in the day, you know, playing music, you know, you know selling things at her merch table, uh, creating like little tours, working with, you know, managers, things like that. Um, that kind of that that desire for entrepreneurialism and also just wanting to be able to kind of push and, and, and make change. Um, that is that is definitely what got me interested in kind of going off on my own. Um and just knowing that, you know, out there, there's a lot of companies, you know, and a lot of people with a lot of, of, you know, employees and things like that. And you're like, you know, we're a company of six or eight, or you know, even back when I was by myself ha- hiring freelancers, like we could do this better, hmm. and probably for a fraction of the cost. So, you know, when you realize those opportunities and those gaps in the market, and um, you know where you can kind of find your, you know, your stake in the ground. That's where um, it starts to get exciting and, and you know, that passion really starts flowing out.
0: So what's it, one of those things that you kind of just did the self-discovery of figuring these things out or did you kind of have like a mentor or was there a particular book that you read that kind of made your eyes wake up and realize that you, you're going in the right direction?
1: I uh, just kind of figured it out on my own. You know, I didn't have any mentors along the way. Uh, I met some great people, you know, throughout my career, and have learned definitely learned things from working with others. But, you know, we didn't get a business advisor until last year. And, uh, you know, I'm kicking myself. I was like, we should have done this a long time ago. So, for anyone obviously growing or wanting to be an entrepreneur, you know, having a mentor, you know, a, a, an advisor, something like that is is going to be huge to you know just your development as a whole. Um, you know i'm not saying that you know i, I made you know a, a critical mistake but i know it may have been a little bit more quicker in terms of the progress and things like that because uh you're not learning every every uh experience on your own you know not making those mistakes they can kind of raise a red flag before you get there um so yeah
0: makes sense made perfect sense so with that being said i mean obviously like you're, you're a younger guy but obviously you have world experience and then once you get to a particular level you get to where you want to give back that information. It seems like you're already at that stage so where you want to kind of help other people understand what you do and help them on their journey, help them grow their business. So have you thought about or are you planning to then author or write a book?
1: I haven't thought about it. I know we actually are uh, planning on putting together a pretty deep resource uh, library on you know, interactive advertising and, and just helping people uh learn about the industry you know where you can push the boundaries things like that so we do want to get into the education side but it's likely going to be more of you know online resources courses things like that that can um help people grow and and just be able to you know perform the best in their role
0: got it got it yeah i mean i I mean I, i guess i'm biased because again i think all of them fall into the same category right like a book and a course they're one and the same. You can take a book and pull out the chapters and make those chapters into modules and then the sub chapters into lessons. And you can stretch that whole thing out. So they learn, like, they're, they're bipolar of each other. It's kind of like your relationship with your partner. They work with each other in different ways. Right. Right. Yep, yep. right. So with that, then, I mean, so what do you see yourself and your partnership with your business 20 years from now?
1: Well, we're trying to change the industry right now. You know, we're, we're definitely ahead of the industry and Um, In terms of technology, you know, the the reason why we started and created BannerWave is because Banners was the only channel that you can, and still is at this moment, the only channel that you can provide a valuable interaction uh, for the user in the very first step of the funnel. And so, you know, when you first see that ad, it's something that's for you, about you, and, you know, is going to help you get more value out of whatever that experience may be or whatever that brand service product may be. Um, you know, right now, that's, that's just not possible. And so we're, uh, dedicated to working with ad tech platforms, social media platforms, um, and advertisers just to create that demand and push for interactive, um, so that, you know, the industry as a whole, you know, both brands and consumers can really flourish, you know, and, and be able to kind of get the benefit of that. Um, thanks.
0: Nice. So are you guys like more so thinking about like the long term? And this is just all hypothetical, right? So uh, like let's say 20 years from now, maybe a SaaS based platform that essentially has like all the libraries and all the templates and and all the scripts and codes and JS behind the scenes that you've been developing for the past 20 years, all packaged up into one system to allow an end user to then utilize that content, create their visuals, pay a monthly recycling premium or whatever, and then just connect it via API. Have y'all talked about that as yet?
1: Uh we are actually quite about fifty way fifty percent of the way through our, our SaaS solution right now. So we've okay. we've been doing that for uh some time and um we'll be eventually releasing something for the market to to enable them to do more than you know the tools that are currently out there.
0: Really cool. So you didn't you didn't put that in your description. There, were, there was no details about that. I had to kind of like put those pieces together <laughs> in this conversation, pull it out,
1: man. Cool. I uh trying to keep it very, very under wraps right now. Yeah. Um, but uh yes, it it it, it is coming. Cool, so. cool, cool good detective work
0: <laughs> yeah i mean i I, look, I mean it just it just makes sense It's just kind of yes, like that's the direction yeah. you're going in So I, I could totally see how that could be plug and play so yeah let's, let's talk about, about like like the, the the avatar so i mean for a minute there we were talking about fortune 500 companies so we talked about the high profile you kind of given us a, a light overview of the secondary customers but but who is the ideal like i mean obviously there's 100% you have your big your big winners but let say 40% of your business, 50% of your business is really coming from which particular avatar? Uh,
1: for us, it, it, again, it's people who want to kind of help educate people and guide them to their product or service, especially if they have something that's, you know, more customizable or something that's, you know, a, a line of products. So, you know, say, you know, if someone is... Uh, say if someone searched on google for you know my dog is you know having this symptom you know maybe an ad comes up and says hey you know we 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 noticed your dog isn't feeling well today what symptoms are are, is he or she having and then clicking that here's a list of products that could be you know good for you and, and helpful for this type of situation so you know looking at something like that and um finding clients who really want to kind of focus on providing more of a a experience that guides the user rather than forcing them to kind of you know yeah. get through it so i mean websites should be that way too you know at the end of the day you know we shouldn't have to be i shouldn't have to go to like men shirts t-shirts medium this co- it's like when you go to a website a website should say hey what are you here for today well i'm you know i'm looking for sales i'm a, i know and i'm a, i'm looking for t-shirts in this size so it's it's something that as the industry as a whole, we want to focus on people that are looking to shift the way, you know, digital engages with consumers or users today into something that empowers them.
0: So, I mean, let's, let's go back on that example and let's unpack that a little bit. So you're saying to say like uh, a veterinary office that, you know, specializes in like small animals. Would they fit the bill to then have that platform to say, hey, this is a sick dog and here's the symptoms and then, you know, pre-qualify them based upon a region? Is that something that, that that's doable or is it more so a larger chain of vets that can have the capital to invest in that?
1: Right, so I think you'd have to look at uh, if it's a more of a B two B thing or a B two C thing. So, say like Chewy, you know the the, the pet brand. Um, yep. If it's a B two C, it's something that someone's like searching something for their dog, and you know they end up getting an ad or an experience on their website that they you know select specific parameters to find out what's going to be best to help them in that situation. Now, if it's more B two B, maybe it's like a uh, a group. You know a company that creates uh, you know veterinary products for vets and so it's it's a company that's selling certain types of medicines and things like that to vets so um you know you can in kind of approach them as in like you know hey what's a you know a product that you you guys are a challenge that you're having or a product that you, you know you're looking for a new uh option for and there are ways to kind of educate them on that so um or if you're just looking at what they sell, or just like, hey, here's a different product, here are the different benefits of it, and, you know, get them engaged.
0: So based on what you're saying, what I'm, I'm hearing is essentially it has to be a, a particular vendor that the ads are essentially going to be pay for themselves because they're at scale. They're not right. just ta- targeting someone in one zip code. They're targeting multiple different locations, regions, and that's more of like the, the the B2B play to where, hey, a company, they're more of the source of that product, and they're buying 10,000 units, 5,000 units, whatever it is at mass quantity, I would think. Is that right. kind of more your space? Okay, that makes yeah. perfect sense. So let's say if if you, if you had something to talk to that person, right? In that company, is it more so like a creative director? Is it more so an art director? Like who's the person that you're usually sitting down with across from the table that's essentially signing those contracts?
1: Yeah. I mean, for that, it's normally a marketing director, CMO, um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Creative director, things like that depends on you know the the size of the company, of course. Um, you know, larger, you know, Fortune five hundred companies likely you know will be working with a the head of digital or uh, something like that. But you know, if you're working with a mid sized company, we may be working with you know the CMO. Okay. Um, so it it just depends, and and normally there's obviously a a, a larger group that kind of comes into it and mm. um, you know brings the, the engagement together. So let's just talk about
0: tools for a minute, because obviously like you're in a tech space and, you know, your partner, you're saying he's more tech savvy, but I, I know that you have tech background as well. Right. Sure. So no. ideally, like what tools do you use on a day to day basis that you would not be able to do what you're doing for customers if you didn't have access to that platform?
1: Uh, I mean, obviously, project management is huge, keeping you on task, the team on task, all that stuff. So um, and we use Monday.com. So I think that's a, a critical tool just to be able to keep the days progressing and streamline. Um, communication tools like like Slack um, to be able to easily message each other. Um, and then when we're actually utilizing tools for building the experiences that we build, we want to create, focus on things that are, you know, also intelligent in the way they build the product. So, you know, in, you know looking at like Figma, for example, or for a design product, you know, using smart layouts and, you know, auto layouts, components, things like that, that really make producing a... Uh, you know anything at scale much easier because you're able to do it. You know, build it more intelligently, so you're not updating every single one. It's updating one thing and spreading it across. You know, mm-hmm. so just making sure that we're using solutions that automate and streamline. Mm-hmm. You know what we're we're focusing on
0: makes perfect sense. So let's let's talk like 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 apples to oranges and and, and merge them both to both apples because you're using terminology that can kind of bleed the lines, right? So you're talking about smart, you're talking about intelligent. But, at the same time, those are words and terminologies that's also related to AI. So are you leveraging AI technology or are you just creating an environment that then has a response that is a perception of being smart per se?
1: It's a little bit of both so we can leverage AI technology uh depending on on you know what information that you know uh uh, you know the the client has, especially too, if they have you know a certain level of, of of data on their their market, you know, or their 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 customers that you know we can help really provide them something valuable. Um, on the other side, you know we you know we've done something that's even like uh, we like for Spalding and the NBA, we created like this nickname generator where you you answer. You know three out of 12 you know 12 questions and they'll give you basically a nickname so it's like do you black on or do you do you, uh ball on um uh hardwood or asphalt do you do you uh are you a you know password pass first or shoot first things like that and then they create you you know one of like 2100 different nicknames so um you know that's something that's more self-contained
0: Hmm. So I mean, I think it's definitely fascinating. So, like, like this is my brain, obviously knowing the technology and and playing with with these different components. Are you guys di- diving into the space of, as far as like voice advertisement, right? I mean, because what you're talking about, like, you can kind of define it. We're talking about, hey, do you play on asphalt? What kind of shoes do you wear? You could easily say that to any one of these um, speaking devices. I'm trying not to say them because they're all in my room and they'll go off, right? Yes. But have you guys dabbled in, into that space as of yet?
1: We haven't as much because um, we feel like you know in the moment, especially when it's on the phone and stuff like that it's it's a little bit easier mm. and more fluid to do it that way i get I get mad at my house technologies because they fail me constantly. Uh, I don't understand what I'm saying or you know it's just so it, it's it's still right now it's just a very cumbersome I still think it's a cumbersome uh, experience that Needs to be worked out a little bit more. So once it gets to that point where you know it's it's more fluid in our lives, then I think there's the opportunity there.
0: Well, I mean, don't you think? I mean, at this point in time, like maybe five years ago, eight years ago, it was more so like a machine to machine. So machine to machine right now is also known as M to M. It's alive and well, but I don't know if people really really realize it. Like you may have a printer and that printer is built is sitting on your Wi-Fi, and if the ink is running out, then it's going to go to your device, and the device is going to say, hey, we noticed that your printer is low. Um, don't you see like like that being a conversion point to where that technology could then merge into what you're talking about? Because then you could say, hey, since you're really telling me about one ink, go ahead and order me the other ones while you're at it.
1: Yep, absolutely, absolutely. I just think, like, for us, in a experience like that, if that was, like, it you know it just said randomly like hey you're low on ink or like you know a notification for me it's just like the voice for me the voice is like i don't want to be interrupted so i just want to like if it's a notification or something that i could look at later all that and just you know do it when i kind of block out that time to do that thing i think that's where it's um you know where it's not interrupting me where it's it's you know i i decide how i consume the content when and where
0: gotcha gotcha Makes perfect sense. So let's talk about like that. You're talking about like ad executives. You're talking about media marketing executives as far as like your your key point of contact within these corporations. If you have any words of wisdom to kind of leave them with, to tell them that, you know, obviously what you're doing kind of help them expand, grow and scale. What words of insight would you tell them?
1: Well, there's obviously in, in in paid media right now. There's a lot of things that you can be doing with smart advertising. Um, the the market today is still flooded by brands just being reliant on those passive advertising experiences, and that completely you know undermines your media buy. So you know if you actually build something and you and you really put the effort into the you know the items that you're producing that consumers are actually engaging with. Um, you know, you're going to get a lot further, you know, everyone's really focused on just, you know, heavy media buying gives a little bit of budget to produce those, you know, the actual ad units to um, make the campaign successful. So uh, some of that needs to just be, you know, thought through a little bit more carefully and, and not just using those plug and play platforms that can just, you know, automate and send stuff out. It's, you know, it's, it's just not personalized, it's passive. And, um, you know, it's not connecting with users in a meaningful way. Cool, cool.
0: So I want you to kind of identify the the, the variation of ads that that you guys actually create. Because I mean, I think most users in in today's world, they've heard about the banner ads. But now they're so used and accustomed to like the more social media platform ads, like the Facebook ads. But that's not what you're essentially creating. You're creating more of like on on. on it may not even be in a landing page. It just maybe something that kind of redirects from Google AdWords or something like that. So I want you to kind of talk about where would someone actually see your ad? Is it in a browser? Is it in social media? Is it on their phones? Where is the, is the, the final destination for your ads?
1: So in interactive advertising today, uh, like I was saying, like, you know, banner ads or, or display, programmatic display advertising is the only uh, only uh, channel that you can actually provide an interactive, personalized interactive experience in within an ad unit. Um, social media, obviously, you know, Google search and things like that. They, they're, they since they're text and more image, uh, you know, video based, they're not, they don't provide a experience or an option to create. Co- to create something interactive um, so for us you're going to see them on websites on your mobile phones um you know maybe when you're playing a, a game on your phone or you know, whatever that may be uh, and not like the cheesy ones but you know the really really nice well created ones that allow you to you know say it's uh, you know you're you're you know building a new apple watch and you're you know choosing a size and a band and you know a, a color for the you know a metal for the finish so things like that that really empower you rather than annoy or distract you um we do do social media advertising paid search and all that as well but you know those channels have a little bit more to go to get up to the level where they can be providing that intelligence you know like they're great at like targeting people and getting them there but once that they see the ads in front of them that's where the intelligence stops Gotcha. And, it, you know, they click and go into the landing page and, hmm. you know, it's not. So you put
0: a solid point, right? So for, for the average user or the, or the person that, that may be listening to this particular episode, like they're trying to connect the dots, right? So let's say, obviously, Facebook is all all about like emotional, like what, what people like and kind of like their, their general behaviors. And we can track that data because Facebook is tracking that data. Google is essentially more of a keyword-driven platform. Someone searching for a particular keyword in a particular region, then they'll see that particular ad. What's driving the targeting behind the ads that you're creating?
1: So it would be collections of all the different channels to be. So I mean, maybe you 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 know search something on on Google, and then later you get you know targeted by an ad that's relative to that. So you know, in the best case scenario, it would be very user action oriented so like for example if someone had just you know booked a hotel in chicago Mm -hmm. then they'd get a tourism ad that would say hey we you know know, hey we're excited for you to come to chicago uh you know whatever that is what what things are you interested in and we'll build you a personalized tour guide Mm -hmm. so that's something that again you're trying to find those micro moments and those opportunities to take you know someone and allow them to do to experience or educate or have more resources to you know, complete a task or to you know make a decision on a purchase
0: nice so let's talk about like the conversion factor with that i mean obviously like that's 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 a key word that everyone knows right it's like okay if i yeah. put this particular ad span what's my conversion so let's say I, I um i land on one of your ads and it seems that your ad is very customizable i could move things around like you were saying with, with the iwatch right i could change the band and then i say buy now does that then communicate via like API? Is that taking all these elements and then putting it in the shopping cart exactly the way I build it on your ad? Or do I have to go to the platform and then reconfigure?
1: Nope. And that's the benefit of it is like you don't have to go to the website. You don't have to leave what you're doing, your action or your task, you know, your search. You can create that right there within the ad before going to the website and actually get that value right there. Because a lot of the time, you know, people – click ads, they go to the website, they're just like, well, this is underwhelming. Like, why did I even click the ad? Like this sucks. So if the ad experience immediately is just like, whoa. Like I like in most people, they look, they're like, I didn't even, I've never seen ads like this in my life, or I didn't even know you can do this in an ad. So, you know, that's the big thing in the market right now is people just don't know. And once we're able to get that industry as a whole, not something we could do on our own. We're gonna, you know, be relying on people like yourself, podcasts like this, you know, advertisers, ad tech companies, social media platforms to collectively be pushing this effort to really change the market and how, you know, the you know culture as a whole, you know, experiences advertising.
0: Well, I mean, I think it, it changes the entire game of the system because I mean, it's always about the click count, right? If and back mm-hmm. in the day, it was about websites. You built a website how fast can you get someone to click, stay on the page long enough, and convert with as least clicks as possible? And then the ad platforms and social media is kind of like that as well too. Okay, am I going to click on an ad? Is my information already populated in the content? Then did that data then get delivered? And then where does it redirect me? But what you're saying, and I want the listener to really understand like the differences between the two, everything else I said until this point is essentially two to three clicks. But yours is an interactive platform, so you're not necessarily counting the clicks, but the end user gets a final result, and when they hit buy now, what they're visually seeing becomes what they're purchasing, and they don't have to figure out or it's just in their cart. Right. Absolutely. That's, that's sexy as hell.
1: Yeah. Isn't it amazing? So bringing that stuff for any brand and, and the education, every brand has to educate about something, a yeah. yeah. product, a service. And so if you can bring that into an ad and yeah. make it visual, make it interactive and and allow them to control their the way they consume the content, you know, it changes the game.
0: So I would think that on the back end, you guys were probably using JS for the most part. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That
1: makes yeah. sense.
0: So, like, how does someone find you? I mean, obviously, like, you're you're doing something that most ads or most people don't even even understand the comprehension of what, what we're really talking about. But I think that, you know, we made it kind of simple enough to kind of realize, imagine a user making one click versus three or four clicks. So that's a completely different conversion factor. How does someone get in contact with you? Where do they find you on social media or what website should we send them to?
1: So uh they can go to bannerwave.com. Uh there's only so much work we can show on our website because a lot of it is under NDA. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, if, if there's something that's where they you know someone is interested in, contact us directly. You could contact me at CJ at Bannerwave.com. And then uh also just on top of that, right now, we're we we just like to offer your listen listeners a uh a fifty percent off our uh, campaign enhancement workshop, which essentially what we do is we'll conduct an in-depth audit of current or upcoming campaigns and provide recommendations for increasing the performance engagement uh, of the campaigns by two hundred to three hundred percent out the gate. Yeah. So you know it's sort of like reviewing their strategy, ad creatives, execution tactics, and performance metrics to provide you know actionable plan for maximizing the media buy. Perfect, perfect. So
0: that kind of leads me to to, to a bonus question. Now, obviously, you you've been doing this for for a period of time, and you've had other achievements to get you to where you are. But if you had to pick your most significant achievement to date, which one would that be?
1: Um, I, I mean, just being able to build. I I feel like build BannerWave. I mean, to create a company in a year that you know, outperformed our company, our, our previous company by three times the revenue. I mean, it's, it's something that we, it was, you know, it was very lucky decision that we made and, you know, good, right place, right time. But, um, it's something that really launched us to where we are today. And, um, you know, without that, you know, quick little idea for doing, you know, a little side sister company to corner the market, you know, this, we wouldn't be where we are today. Huh.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So, I got another bonus question for you. If you could spend 24 hours with anyone, and that individual person could be someone that's dead or alive, who would it be and why?
1: Oh, man. You're hitting me with all the hard questions today. Yeah. Um,
0: A good thing, man. I always say, like if if you're actually thinking, that means that you haven't dealt with this question on another podcast before.
1: No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's a tough one. I mean, obviously, right now, I I, I would love just to understand what's going on in, in Elon Musk's mind. Uh <laughs> it's just you yeah, know boy. that he's an interesting, interesting guy. Um, but uh you know, I, I think for me, you know, some of the people who kind of changed the course, um, you know, of history in terms of, uh, uh, you know, environmental conversion or uh, things like that, that, you know, are helping the world, I would want to learn, you know, from their experience, um, you know, ideas, things like that, to be able to kind of, you know, bring that into life with what we're doing. So, um even though we're working with corporations and things like that, at the end of the day, you know, we want to pour our, you know, experience, our efforts into something that's actually good. So.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, yeah, I definitely appreciate it. I mean, I think like, even for myself, like, you know, I'm big into technology. So it's kind of like, like I'm geeking out on hearing where the technology has evolved to and having the opportunity to at least be alive to see it happen, it is great. So in my podcast, I like to close out with giving whoever I'm interviewing an opportunity to then become the host of my show. And maybe you have some questions you would like to ask me. So now the Boston Cage podcast is officially yours. You're interviewing me. Do you have any questions?
1: Well, yeah, I just love to hear you know from going. I know you talked about that. You know, you were you know back in the day uh, when we both when when we graduated from college, we were both graphic designers, and and kind of how you grew into where you are today, um, and your own path from going from design into I know more digital and and, and media production, and then now into being a you know a, a host and and someone who's you know inspiring, uh, you know the world.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, I think that the, the the change of it was. Not realizing that I was 50% analytical and 50% creative. Because I mean, I grew up in, in Brooklyn, and like my first outlet for art, per se, was a black book with markers, and I got into the graffiti game. And so by default, my parents threw me into. Graphic design in college because that made logical sense based upon my habits before. And I think it it was a good play and it was great for me. But then I started to evolve and starting to realize that, okay, graphic design is great. I'm learning a lot about being a button pusher, but I knew that there was more than just pushing those buttons. And so I was trying to figure out, like, where do I find it? And so I went to the same school and then I got a multimedia and graph, uh, multimedia and web design degree, which was really cool because then I learned more of the tech side and how do I make things visually look good and make them move and interact as well. And that's that's why what we're talking about definitely calls to me. And then I hit another iteration of okay, well, that's great. Both of them are making me both button pushers that can (laughs) do a lot of things. What else is there? And that's when I kind of was like, okay, there's gotta be business. Like, and that's what I went on my business journey to kind of really figure out. I was like, do I go back to school to get an MBA or do I actually get paid to play in the environment and learn what an MBA really looks like behind the scenes by working for different people and different corporations over a period of time?
1: Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I just, it's interesting to see everyone's path to, to, you know, where they got there and and, and what inspired them, you know, what was kind of the, the, you know, light bulb that really got them, um, to make that that you know curve that change yeah
0: yeah the show is still yours unless you're done you
1: gotta <laughs> so no not at all yeah. um so what type of uh, just an out of curiosity i just it seems like you you're interviewing everyone of with across industries i saw you know people who are you know uh, attorneys to um technologists uh so you know do you have a do you have an industry right now that is exciting you a lot with some of the the content and, and speakers that you've had on.
0: Uh, I would say 100% technology. I mean, it's just, it it's like I had um, Wiley Day on and she was ranked 21 in Forbes as far as self-made billionaires. And just talking to her about semiconductors and that, you know, as a brand household brand name, nobody knows who she is. But as a systematic brand, she's in pretty much four out of five households based upon her technology that she created. So we talked about that. Um, You know, I had an opportunity to interview David from the founder of Redfin. But his real story for me was that he was the guy that kind of helped create the algorithm for. Amazon cuz he's working under Jeff Bezos. So like having those type of conversations and and figuring out these these puzzle pieces and these components of the historical of where things are and where people are after they created these products is kind of like I would say my overall niche. But again, the 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 podcast is defined as Boston Cage. So there's no real limitation to to who I'm going to interview. And I'm going to figure out a way to make them all coincide together because it's more so about a legacy brand because down the road, 50 years from now, this content will still be around, 100 years from now, the content will still be around. And there may be a new lawyer that's now in the space of technology, and he may hear episode 15 and episode 300 and be able to put those two pieces together and become who he's supposed
1: to be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I, technology obviously is a is a great foundation for, for any industry and, and will allow it to, to grow and, and evolve, you know, so... Um, that's exciting, and and also just cool to to have those people you know on that are have, have been you know huge catalysts for change you know in our yeah. in our in the technology and in, in our environment. So,
0: yeah, yeah, and just to, to hear people, I mean, just even like you, just like to, to hear your thought processes, it's it's, it's so it's kind of like I'm a sponge, like I'm plugged in, and you know I may interview anywhere from like you know two to eighteen people per week so to be able to take all this information in and then apply it or then to leave it for somebody else to get some information and take action on it to me is kind of like I found my calling
1: that's awesome i love it yeah i mean I, what you what you're doing here is great and uh, appreciate you having me on and and the opportunity here
0: really? i definitely appreciate you having you i think you're you're in a space to where You know, I I think maybe five years from now, we can come back on this podcast and kind of laugh at what we're talking about right now, because where you're going to be (laughs) five years from now, based upon the technology and even going into like the the hidden SaaS platform under the scenes, it could be a totally different terminology and, and system that we're talking about five years from now. That's the plan. Sweet, sweet. But I definitely appreciate you being on the show today. I think you dropped a a hell of a lot of value. I'm hoping that the listener, it was kind of some eyebrow moments to kind of think about, you know, everyone always thinks about YouTube ads and and, and Facebook ads and Google ads, but you're talking about a new elevation of those ads that are out there right now.
1: Right. Absolutely. Great.
0: S.A. Grant, over and out. 233 boss that's 762 233 2677 i would love to hear from you remember to become a boss and cage you have to release your inner beast sa grant signing off listeners of boss and cage are invited to download a free copy of our host sa grant's insightful ebook become an uncaged trailblazer